Welcome to The Innovative Mindset with your host, Harrison Kelly. The Innovative Mindset was created to give easy access to people with innovative stories and livelihoods that can teach valuable lessons to everybody. Today on episode 10 of The Innovative Mindset, we have digital nomad, Wandering Earl. Derek Barron, also known as Wandering Earl, has been traveling since 1999 and working around the world nonstop. He also organizes small group tours at wanderingearltours.com. Please enjoy this conversation with Harrison Kelly and Wandering Earl. Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in once again to the Innovative Mindset. I'm very happy to bring on my good buddy, Derek Barron, also known as Wandering Earl. How's it going, Derek? Hey, how's it going, man? All good here. <laughs> yeah, glad to hear it. Do you have any preference over uh, the first name or the middle name going by? I saw I was cracking up at the Wandering Derek doesn't have as nice of a ring to it. <laughs> it definitely doesn't. But I will say once I've talked to somebody, once I know somebody, I generally go to Derek. So I, I've to tried Derek. to speak a little bit more that way these days. Perfect. We'll keep it to that. <laughs> so to anyone unfamiliar... Derek has been traveling the world for for 20 plus years at this point, right? And it yes, uh, 1999. Yep. pretty awesome, uh, very forward thinking approach to to work and travel and just his lifestyle in general, uh, crazy inspirational to me. Uh, so the crazy thing that really caught my eye right out the gate is that you only initially planned on traveling for like a week or something like that, right? Yeah, was like I was wasn't sure. I basically I was like, okay, it's gonna be three months max. I had a, I, if I really was super budget and watched every dollar I spent, maybe I could stretch it out to three months. That was my idea. So it was a three month trip to Southeast Asia max, and I knew that was it. I was gonna go home broke no matter what, and and get started in my my career. But uh, yeah, I, I guess things didn't kind of turn out the way that you had initially anticipated when you left for that trip. What was no. it that you found so alluring about that that traveling nomadic lifestyle that that you become such a great embodiment of? Sure. In the beginning, honestly, the funny thing is, I was at, at Angkor Wat in Cambodia for the, celebrating the millennium, and that's pretty much where it was in the jungle. There weren't many tourists at all, and I was just sitting in these fascinating, unbelievable temples in the middle of the jungle, and with all these local people who were sharing their food, just having an incredible time. And that pretty much was the moment when I was sitting on that wall as it hit midnight and the new millennium started that I, I thought to myself, you know, if I can have this kind of experience and I've only been in Asia for whatever, five days at this point, you know, I can't imagine what I would have, what experiences I could have uh, and what life changing moments I could have if I did this for more than three months or if I went to dozens of countries. And I just, that kind of idea got planted in my head. And honestly, once it was in my head, I couldn't get it out. And it had nothing to do with being able to work. It had nothing how I could support myself. I had no idea. It was just literally about, wow, look at this. I'm meeting all these new people that I wouldn't meet if I wasn't traveling. I got to do something with this. It's such a powerful thing, meeting people with new perspectives, especially going somewhere like Asia that's so drastically different from, from the United States. You can learn so much about yourself as an individual and just kind of about people in general, I would say. So, Absolutely. yeah, and quickly. Yeah. Yeah. It's so crazy to me. Would you mind just touching on some of the countries you've been to? One of the things I found so fascinating is that you kind of go off the beaten path in a lot of places that are a lot of, a lot of places that are deemed somewhat dangerous, even. So, um, yeah. what were some uh, of those major spots that you hit? Yeah. So, for some of those, basically, I did like uh, almost six weeks in Pakistan. I went through a uh, backpack through Afghanistan. Uh, I've been to northern Iraq and uh, Yemen, did a pretty awesome, amazing experience in uh, 
in Yemen. And one of the, I don't know if you've heard of Socotra Island, this small little island off the coast of Yemen, which is just unbelievably remote and just a out of control place to visit. But uh, yeah, so places like that, I, I, to me, that's what makes it. It's not because I, I'm not danger, a danger traveler or anything like that. It's more because I just want to see things that I, you know, you can't go online and find uh, 4 million Instagram uh, accounts that focus on Yemen, you know? So I'd like to see it with my own eyes and actually see what's going on there, meet people there, because it's just much harder to learn about what's actually going on there since not so many people go. It's so true. It's, it's really great. You've gotten to witness something with your own eyes that, <laughs> that not many people here in the States can probably say the same about. Uh, yeah, exactly. yeah. What are some of the key moments that you would say come to mind in some of those places that, that really stick out in your mind as far as like key moments throughout your, your whole nomadic experience? Yes. I mean, most of the key moments are going to be taking ideas that I had about how the world works and obviously having that instantly squashed and, and changed. And, you know, these, some of these countries that I mentioned in particular, one of them is Syria. So I went to Syria, everybody, I know this was in uh, 2010, everybody I know was like, do not go to Syria. Just, you know, this is crazy. This is crazy. So naturally I was pretty nervous as I crossed the border from Turkey and I was supposed to stay there for about one to one week to 10 days and i ended up staying there for six weeks because wow. it was unbelievable everything that i had basically thought about it or what everybody thought about it was just not reality oh sorry my kit my rescue kitten broke through my barrier unbelievable no no problem she's from bali right <laughs> she's from bali she's she's been traveling quite a bit already in four months she's a little tourist too yeah, <laughs> it's amazing that. Okay. okay, here we go. Oh, there she is. She made it to the laptop too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How funny. So yeah. getting back to those kind of preconceived notions that you had about a lot of these places, what were some of the things that you were most astonished to have been like completely inaccurate based on what you thought going in? Honestly, it's people, man. I, that, I don't care if you're in a major city in the Western Europe or you're in some really small impoverished village in Yemen or Syria or anywhere in Asia or anywhere you are South America, it doesn't matter, or the US, it, it's all the same. Like every single person wants the same thing out of life. And that's when I started to get that over and over again, that people just wanted to have a simple life. They didn't want to be, you know, have enemies. They didn't want to, you know, have wars. They wanted to just have a simple life where they could spend good time with their family and friends, make enough to provide for their families. And, and that was it. And just have good, interesting conversations with people and make connections. And, and I realized that, that that is universal everywhere. And as soon as I realized that, my travels changed. I, I learned that pretty early on, luckily. But after that, I was like, wow, that's what gave me the confidence. I was like, you know, I can go to Yemen. I can go to Syria. I can go to Iraq because I know, already know, sure, there's other dangers and you have to be careful. That's a, that I'm not, you know, saying there aren't. That's a different story. But I knew that from just a general person standpoint, um, everybody's pretty much the same and every, and I would have those rewarding experiences. And honestly, that's, what's kept me going for 20 plus years. Like I always say, if it's, if it was the sites or things like that, honestly, I would have stopped traveling a long, long time ago just to see sites. It doesn't work. Uh, but going re most recently, like to, I went to like East Timor last year and, and stuff like this, like, this is what it's about. Like, there's not a site there to see, but I don't care. That's, it's not about that. I would stop traveling if it was about sites. Yeah, the sites, the sites never hurt. There's no doubt about that. But in my personal experience traveling, it's it's easy to resonate with people from different cultures and, and find similarities. And even even like 
there's obvious differences between different cultures, but that root quality exactly. makes it so that it's the, the quality for wanting to bridge human connection makes it so exactly. easy to have such fascinating conversations with people. That's the key cultural differences for sure. But because of that connection that you can have, it leads to so much, you know, learning and just, that's amazing. Lifelong friends everywhere and just experience that I can never imagine. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of the people meeting you are probably pretty blown away. Like somebody from Syria meeting an American that's traveled the world. That's quite a, uh, <laughs> that's quite a hard find over there. I would imagine. Yeah. yeah definitely not many. <laughs> <laughs> so Something that I, again, we, we touched on it briefly already. I really respect the fact that you're going to these places that aren't like quote unquote, super uh, touristy spots. Yeah. The, what is the distinction you would say between the people there versus a more uh, industrialized nation? Yeah, I mean, I think the main thing is, is life is still going on how, it, how it's been going on for a long time. And just that focus on, uh, obviously, mass tourism is huge or was huge before COVID that to the point where you know, most people, and you can't blame them, and a lot of especially industrialized nations, they want to set up a business or do something that's going to get a piece of that pie. And I think when you go to some of these places, Syria, Yemen, Pakistan, you just don't have that as much. So you're basically showing up in what is regular life. And it's not a not something that's designed or built specifically for you, the tourists, uh, because they want to take advantage of your presence. Uh, again, you can't blame them. That's how business works. Um, supply and demand, but, um, but I do find there is some extra value, significant value in going to places where that setup generally isn't there. And uh, yeah, you can pretty much, you know, it's like you don't have to go book an authentic tour because you're actually there and it is authentic just being there. That's so cool. When you, when you go to these places, do you typically have an itinerary or are you more so of a, I'll figure it out when I get there? Yeah, I generally figure out when I get there. I'll, I'll, I'll plan the first few days. But that's about it. Uh, one of the things that really stood out to me on checking out more about you on your website and everything is how is how little money that you had to start and how you yeah. kind of went about winging everything. <laughs> how were you able to sustain living the lifestyle that you wanted to lead with no clear career or monetary outlet? And how have you been able to overcome that over time? For sure. Yeah. In the beginning, I started with $1,500 to my name when I arrived in Asia and definitely no idea of how I would make more once I decided that I would uh, continue traveling instead of going home. Um, I guess at that time, obviously, you couldn't go online and just learn about, you know, a thousand other people and how they're doing it to get ideas. So I pretty much did the uh, manual version and just kept my eyes and ears open. Honestly, I started talking to everybody I met, every traveler, local people. I just started trying to hear what they do for work, how they, how they survive, uh, little things like that. And, you know, and I just wanted to see if I could find something. So I just took it piece by piece. Right. So I met one traveler who was like, Oh, if you want to travel more, I just came back from Chiang Mai, Thailand. You need to go there, do exactly this, go to this university, make a handwritten sign that says you'll teach English to people, students, uh, tutor English, and just put it up in this part of the university in Chiang Mai, and you'll get calls. Sure enough, I did that and got 100 calls within a week. Wow. Next thing I know, I'm teaching English, you know, in at the Dunkin' Donuts in Chiang Mai, like I would meet Dunkin' Donuts, we would meet in just the grass of the university. And um, suddenly I was there. So that immediately gave me the idea, wow, okay, I figured this out. So I was like, if I could figure this out, I'm going to keep listening to people and see what else I can figure out. And that's how every opportunity basically came. And I went from teaching English, there you go, went from teaching English to uh, working on board cruise ships, just took writing an ebook when I decided to uh, work online 
and then to starting the travel blog and then moving on to my tour company. And basically all of that was from just keeping my eyes and ears open to what people want, what other people have done and uh, trying to and make it happen myself. It's so impressive. And, and I love the fact that you were just like, we'll get there and figure it out. I think so many people get caught up in the fear of not being successful that they don't actually ever take that leap. So the fact that you were able to just say, I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> you did. <laughs> and it's hard. I think a lot of people these days, understandable, if you go online for two minutes, they think success is, is only valid if, if you get it instantly. Like if, you, if you're not, if you start a company today and you are an idea and you're not successful next week, then it was a bust, it, which there's so much pressure for people to be successful instantly that I think that's a lot of people I see, they start something and then they just stop because they're like, oh, it didn't work. But that's not how it works. You know, you need to start with some small idea, get that going a little bit, make a few dollars, just try and, you know, learn from the experience and then see how you can change it. Listen to your audience or your customers and basically just adapt from there. And, and then that's how the business It's going to take some time. But uh, I think there's just so much pressure for people to, you know, feel like that you just pop a website up there these days and you should be successful in a week. And if not, then you're, you totally, you know, blew it. Undoubtedly. One of the, one of the core components, I think of businesses is so many people get caught up in like writing a business plan or focusing on the, the full logistics of the business. You don't have to have the full puzzle completed. You know, you can have some of the, some of the pieces put together, but you know, the real way is going to be going out there doing it and adjusting accordingly and kind of filling in the pieces as you go along, which it sounds like you're a pure testament. Like it doesn't make any sense to actually have it all set up ahead of time because you don't actually know how your potential audience or market or whatever will actually react to your idea. It's just an idea in your head. You can't know all the answers until you start getting feedback from other people. So it, it should, if it doesn't change over time, something is probably wrong because it should change based on, on all feedback that you get. And that's how you're going to make sure you stay ahead of the game and actually create something that, that does have a much higher chance of being successful. No doubt about it. That being said, you've obviously found some pretty, pretty tremendous success considering the fact that you've been able to continue traveling and now help others travel. Is there any other business philosophies that have been tried and true for you throughout the entirety of your experience? Yeah, I mean, uh, so one of the biggest ones for me, it kind of ties in a little bit to what I just said, but is the market research. So the market research, I find that one of the biggest um, opportunities, missed opportunities for people is simply paying attention to the small things. So this is how I started. I started my travel blog and early on I got this idea. Okay, I really have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just writing ridiculous blog posts about my travels and that's it. So then I started to, it's kind of geeky, but I, I made a spreadsheet and I made a spreadsheet that actually I listed every single comment, question, email that I received. And I tried to classify those into certain categories. So I could see exactly what people were asking me, what they wanted, what they thought I could offer them, how I could help them. And that's how I actually started one of my eBooks. I realized wow, I'm getting this amount of questions every month about how to get a job on a cruise ship because I had already done it. So pretty much that's how I wrote one of my early eBooks, helping people get a job on a cruise ship. So I think that's always been to me the most, for every business that I've done, that's been probably the biggest factor. It's all stemmed from 100% listening to every word that and every piece of feedback that I get and, and creating that business based on that. Feedback is probably the most crucial component of business as far as I can tell. And what's always interesting is it's, it's never the questions that you thought 
people would be asking you that ended up being the questions that you received, right? Absolutely not. Not like nothing like that. I mean, even now I'm running a tour company. I would never have imagined. And then suddenly people are writing to me saying, Hey, can I travel with you? And next time you go to India, we can, you know, is that possible? And I mean, it's not something I ever thought I would ever be doing ever. And yeah. And suddenly just from that feedback, it was, it was went in a direction that I absolutely didn't imagine because I was a budget traveler, independent travel blog. And suddenly people are asking to travel with me. So pretty much off we go. That's also another great piece of the pie. A lot of people, I think, especially in content creation, I'm, I'm very active on LinkedIn, which is like the business social media platform. But a lot of people don't post on there because especially people that are a little younger that are like my age, because they're like, well, I'm not a uh, business executive. I haven't been in business for 30 years. What inputs do I have? But we've all had our own personal experiences that are worth sharing. So just because you weren't a, uh, just because you weren't working for Carnival Cruise Lines right out the gate, doesn't mean that you don't exactly. have some insights on travel. Of course, what you've gone through, and even even you could have just started off a week ago, and what you've gone through in a week might be something that somebody can genuinely benefit or learn from. Simple as that. Like it. it any experience can be no doubt about it another another great thing that i found as a result of publishing frequently on linkedin people love watching the journey to success as much as they love hearing like the success story so (laughs) talking about here's a lesson that i learned this week from making a stupid mistake people really resonate with that and they love to see just that continual self-growth mentality it's so important absolutely and i think i find too that that also invites people to share their input as well because they see your journey like oh you know what i actually was did that was going through that same thing and i i figured out this or something like that so you find that you get a lot of a lot of good feedback that way as well no i agree that kind of is a great way to get people you know to join in with what you're doing and and really pay attention definitely so Another question that pops in my mind relating to business, I took a class in school taught by a Chinese professor actually about international marketing and just about like the cultural distinctions and the challenges that come with starting like Starbucks, I know, tried to go over to Israel, I believe, and and failed miserably because they didn't have a firm enough grasp on the culture. How are you able to adapt the businesses that you've worked on in the past to accommodate for other cultural distinctions different than your own? For sure. Uh, so one of the big things is first being realistic about it. So one of the good examples is my tour company. When I started off, I was like, okay, I got to offer tours that appeal to people in all over the world, you know, who might want to sign up and this and that. And that's what I tried. That did not work. <laughs> and I quickly learned that, okay, the, what I'm doing, it's impossible to appeal to people all over the world uh, in every place. So I started looking more closely at various cultures of potential client bases and how they travel and how they actually, what kind of experiences they like. And it turns out some countries I'm marketing my, you know, really unique, sustainable, locally focused tours to places like Singapore, which they actually just generally, not everybody, but the majority of people go on, you know, maybe shopping trips is a very much more common or more of a high end kind of experience. So I was like, okay, well that probably right now doesn't make sense for me to do this. So I kind of did that until I came out with the core cultures that actually work best. So I think that is, you do have to evaluate and see which, if, if, if it's the kind of business that you want, totally want to get it in as many places as possible, then yeah, you really need to pay attention and you need to adjust accordingly. Um, and for some businesses, you just, it might not be your best market some places and you just have to adjust and that's okay too. And just, it, it makes more sense to focus on the places that you would, you know, 
hopefully you should find more success based on what you're offering and what the market actually is looking for. Fascinating. Were there any other big surprises as far as cultural distinctions that really stood out to you as far as how people like to travel? It's interesting. Yeah, I think, um, I guess I have it in my mind. There are plenty of people that do like this, you know, locally focused kind of trips. I think, um, yeah, I guess I find that I was surprised that a lot of people in a lot of countries, almost many, uh, it's just, they take the ease of travel into more consideration. So I think I was a little bit surprised that uh, when it all comes down to it, a lot more people than I would have imagined just would go with the easy preset vacation uh, just because it's, it's easy, simple, yeah, uh, and preset. <laughs> uh, so I, was, I thought that maybe there'd be a little bit more, um, yeah, a little bit less of that, but uh, turns out that's pretty pretty strong, which understandable, obviously, if you have limited time off, you're going to, you know, it makes sense to go with something that yeah, safe bet. And, yeah. yeah, exactly. Totally, totally exactly. could understand that. We can't all be as adventurous as your cat. <laughs> so tying things back over into the digital nomad experience. Um, as I mentioned before, a big selfish reason I got you on here is because I have so much interest that in, I'm like, I haven't traveled in six months just because of Coronavirus and I'm, uh, I'm going a little stir crazy. What's some advice that you have for people that want to be digital nomads in the coronavirus times and more importantly, hopefully soon enough, the post-coronavirus times when, when things will be a little more feasible? Sure. I think, first of all, you got to think this is a great opportunity to get something set up because I'm always one that says you shouldn't, you can do it, but it's very difficult to just quit your job and go be a digital nomad. First of all, digital nomad is not a job, right? So it's a lifestyle. It's the same as almost saying oh, I'm an office worker. It doesn't really say what you do. It's just what you, it's just kind of a lifestyle to an extent. So I think this, I always tell you, it's a good idea to work on something while you still have a stable income job and, and take some time to actually create something so that when you do get out there, you're not suddenly like, oh man, if I don't, if this, you know, my work doesn't, doesn't uh, work out in the next month, I'm already broken. I got to go home. You know, so I think that's a very important thing. So at least during this coronavirus time, it gives you a time to actually think, think and try and come up with something that might actually work and be successful and and work on it. And that way, by the time this is all over, hopefully you have something in place um, that will slowly be able to start working and, and allow you to get out there. Um, for post-corona time, I think the key is to understand you can look online all this these days and see million people be, as digital nomads. The problem is, you don't just follow the, what somebody else is doing. There's a, there is literally a million ways to be a digital nomad. And most of the ways, if I think of all the friends I have that are digital nomads, by far the most successful people, and I'm talking super successful, are absolutely doing something that nobody would guess. It's not anything having to do with blogging. It's not anything having to do with starting a, a website development company. It's not the stuff that, that gets the most publicity. It's because some people actually took time, they saw a real need out there, and they created a real business to fulfill that need. And that's where it comes from. So I think don't get caught up in doing what other people are doing. Think about what knowledge and what skills you have and how you can apply that to somebody or to another business, a B2B, and yeah, and then go with that. Don't lock yourself. It's really refreshing to hear that. It, I mean, social media can often make it make it seem like you have to do something this way or it has to be done just like this, especially like those kind of like business guru guys. They're like, 
you don't work 12 exactly. hours every day, you're not going to be successful. It's like, it's like, I understand the sentiment, but <laughs> it's not tried and true hundred percent of the time. Correct. Do you, Absolutely do you find not. that those people that have had success doing kind of unorthodox approaches to digital nomadism, were they traveling originally and identify those problems while on their travels, or it was more so they found the problem and then went and became a digital nomad? Most of them found the problem. So most of them, the traveling is the result of their business, of what they've been able to set up as a business, as opposed to the travel being an integral part of the business. So mine's a little bit odd because I have the tour company uh, and the travel blog. So that's, Honestly, yeah, I would say most people don't have that. They don't actually have the travel tied into the business. They just set up a business that allows mm. them to travel. Uh, but the business was an idea that they set up uh, separately from that. And again, it's the person that walks into a, a room and, and someone says, oh, what do you do? And they say what they do. And the rest of the crowd is like, oh, okay, well, I guess that's nothing. And that's actually the person that's probably the most successful. And uh, it's time and time again, it's the same thing, but uh, it just maybe. The job or the word, the business they set up doesn't sound sexy enough, doesn't involve tons of social media. And so people just kind of dismiss it as it can't be a real digital nomad mm. thing. It's, yeah, it's, again, it's very refreshing to hear that it's not like you have to do it exactly like the guy that has 600,000 followers on Instagram says you have to do it. And you probably shouldn't because, I mean, there's, you probably have more suited to another opportunity that matches your own skills, knowledge, personality a lot better. So that's what you should you know, definitely. And it, it, it really ties back into what you mentioned before about like, it, it's all has to be personalized, just as like, people online are going to tell you, you have to travel to X, Y, and Z. And people told you, you shouldn't go to zero to Syria. At the end of the day, yeah. you have to go with your gut to an extent as well. You have to do what feels right for you, not what somebody else tells okay. you is right. For sure. You have your own experiences, you know, best, like you have your own knowledge, your own skills, you know, how you are, you know, how you react in certain situations, what you can provide to other people. So, I mean, yeah, it should always be, you know, whatever you build, create, how you live your life should always be based on, on that. Quote. No doubt about it. So to totally switch things up here, <laughs> there was another thing on your website that I was like, holy crap, we got to talk about this. <laughs> um, I literally have it written down here. How the hell did you get kidnapped? <laughs> and, wh and what did you take away from that experience? Yeah, well, it was very easy to get kidnapped because <laughs> I pretty much ignored every advice that was in every guidebook at the time when I uh, flew to Dhaka, Bangladesh, and pretty much everything said, uh, if your flight arrives after sunset, don't go outside the airport, stay in the airport until sunrise. So my flight was delayed super late until uh, coming out of Bangkok, and I arrived, you know, late at night. And so I was like, oh, whatever, I'm going to go outside and just go to the hotel that I want to go to. And that's when it all began. And uh, yeah, surrounded by a group of taxi drivers uh, in the parking lot. It was pitch black. I finally chose one taxi driver to take me to my hotel who uh, spoke a little bit of English, walked across the parking lot. Next thing I know, he, they get me into the taxi with five drive. Five people were in the taxi. Uh, we stopped at a gas station, made me fill up the gas tank. And then they just did not bring me to my hotel and brought me to basically some random building in a, in a big slum and, and uh, locked me in a room um and it went on from there for for a couple of days uh for the next day they brought me to another place had me locked up and uh, they just kept trying to get money they were very inexperienced luckily and they just kept taking me to atm machines and trying to get me to take out money and i just kept typing in the wrong pin number and saying oh this one doesn't work this one doesn't work this was way back you know about 15 years ago so it was pretty basic then but um just kept doing it I kept doing it until I finally found a moment to escape. How'd you get out of there? 
Uh, we after one trip out to some to a bank, they basically took me back to the building and said, "Go get your your." They didn't even take my stuff, so I had my stuff still in my backpack. This is how inexperienced. So they took me up. Uh, they said, "Go upstairs, get your backpack, and come down. We're taking you somewhere else." So on the way down, uh, I grabbed my backpack. I saw down one of the hallways there was uh, one of those like fire exits. There was a door open and I exit out, and I just ran down there, ran out to the street. Got into a rickshaw and, and took off. Oh, thank so, God. I guess they need yeah, to read uh, Kidnapping for Dummies or something because it sounds like they didn't do a very uh, good absolutely. job. <laughs> it was, it was, man, it was pretty funny sitting there in a room. They're like, you got to give me money and you got to give my friend money. And I'm sitting there arguing with them. Like, first of all, I understand why you would want money because you're the one that kidnapped me. But this guy, I just saw yeah, him for the first that? time now. I'm like, why would I give him money? And they like, they didn't speak very good English. So it was just this like ridiculous uh Situation. What was your thought process throughout the entirety of that? Were you like freaking out or were you somewhat calm? Or? The first night I was freaking out. First night I was freaking out. I was in a pretty gross room, like cockroaches everywhere. And there was a guy outside the door. Just I was like, what the hell is going on? But then the next day I realized they're unarmed and clearly not that intelligent because they didn't take, I mean, they could have just at least taken my camera, something of value. I mean, back then it would have been a lot. I had a big camera and it, they didn't even wow. take that. So I was like, okay, this is relatively chill. They, they clearly have no idea what they're doing, so I'm just going to go along with it until I figure out a way that I can just get out of here. And that's pretty much yeah, what I Yeah, you know do. they suck at what they're doing if, you, if <laughs> your kidnapping experience was relatively chill. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, it was a lot of ridiculous conversations and going to ATMs and uh, them getting frustrated trying to get me to wire money and all this stuff. Crazy. Like, yeah, but once I saw they weren't armed, they weren't going to – I was fairly confident they weren't going to do anything like that, so – I thought it basically turned into just like attempt at a huge scam, which I wasn't having. Thank God. <laughs> Would you say there was any lessons you took away from that? I guess maybe follow the uh, guidebooks a little more. <laughs> Probably follow some of the rules, pay, you know, are worth, especially at that time I was quite inexperienced as a traveler. So that probably was not very brilliant. Um, yeah. So I think definitely pay attention to some of the more important rules, especially if it's somewhere that maybe could have some potentially more uh, difficult situations to, to face. Um, yeah, but at the end of the day, too, it also comes down to don't freak out, honestly. It's the same thing with anything. If you're on the side of the road and, I don't know, whatever happens anywhere you are, it's, it is just best to stay calm. People will help. Uh, you know, people will be, you know, once I got out of there and, and got to the hotel I wanted to go to and explained to the, you know, to the hotel owner, he was super nice. I mean, everywhere I've had my wallet stolen in Delhi and people just suddenly rush and help out and give me money just until I got money a week later. I mean, all people will help just stay calm and, and just uh, don't freak out. And, and, you know, people are always going to come. Even if it's not, even if it's not a highlight, it is still a part of the experience at the end of the day, you know, and, and helps you grow as a person. That's, That's how you have to look at it. I mean, even when you live at home, right. Even when you live at home, everything, life doesn't go smooth every single day, stuff happens. So it's going to happen when you're out there on the road too. And uh, yeah, that's just, that's part of the experience. Part yep. of the life. Take journey. it and grow. Right. Yeah. That's what else can I do? <laughs> that's yeah. It's so, it's such an important <laughs> attribute regardless of whether you're traveling the world or or sticking to the suburbs or whatever it may be that's the thing not much definitely not as we as we kind of wind things down here i always like to ask if there's one piece of life advice or a a specific quote or anything that has stood tried and true throughout the entirety of your life thus far is there anything that comes to mind okay mine's ridiculously simple but uh honestly it's a kurt vonnegut quote uh, who's an author that wrote a lot my favorite author he wrote a lot of books and throughout uh you know 
a lot of speeches he gave and, and some of his books, he, he had the saying called, just said, so it goes. And honestly, I've used that for everything. I repeat that to myself. I even have my tattoo is based on so it, so it goes because that has literally gotten me over every challenge and helped me avoid getting frustrated or you know angry to the point where I turn any kind of hiccup or bump in the road into a worse situation. And it sounds so simple, but that literally, I repeat it to myself probably five times a day. Uh, so it goes. And I, uh, that, those three simple words uh, pretty much have gotten me over and through any challenge. And I think that for me personally, that's been it. It's living this lifestyle. You're constantly bombarded with challenges because you're constantly putting yourself in new, you know, in new places, new situations, new diff different people. Uh, even with my work, it's, I'm constantly dealing with new challenges. Um, I'm running tours to countries that I have to go and, and, and discover all this new information and just, you know, just always just new challenging situations. So it's very easy to get frustrated. And I see a lot of digital nomads, it happens. You get frustrated just from the lifestyle because it's constantly new things are being, you know, thrown at you from everywhere you go. Cause that's how it works when you're not just staying in one city for, you know, for your whole life and you get out there, that's how it's going to be. And if you sort of let the little stuff get to you, it builds up pretty quickly. And I've seen many digital vets get out there and after say six months, like I got, I'm going home. Like this isn't for me. It's just too, too intense. It's I can't handle all the, the changes or the, you know, you get all the potential scams or you uh, just, just trying to deal with different money everywhere you go and figuring out just, it's just all that stuff gets to be a little bit too much. So I've always been a, so it goes person. And this is life. This is what I chose. And, and that helps me get through it. Yeah. There's a similar quote that I, I I especially, I especially do it when I'm on like a run or a bike ride, but I think about it a lot too. It's just keep moving forward. Very similar. That's all you can do really at the end of the day, like shit happens. <laughs> you need to just bounce back and, and learn from it and keep exactly. going. So. And it's the difference. I find that's the difference between, especially for just a quick like digital nomad advice, like the difference between somebody who makes it and doesn't is usually you can these days the amazing thing is you can learn anything right you can have no clue about web development and you can learn it there's nothing stopping you from learning it and becoming one of the best so to be successful as a digital nomad in terms of creating some business that allows you to travel around the world it really just comes down to dedication determination you know and and, and taking the time and realizing it takes time to learn and i find that many of the people who don't you know, find the success they were hoping for and do return home. It's just because they didn't want to put in the effort or it was more of an effort or a bigger challenge than they thought. And they weren't able to get over those challenges. And I think if you just put your head down and get over some of those challenges and realize it's a journey like any other, you'll get to the other side where you'll be able to live that lifestyle. And I think the people who do successfully live that lifestyle, that's what they did. They understood that it's going to be some challenges. It's going to be a rocky road. And uh, you just need to put your head down, keep moving forward, like you said, and uh, you will get there. But if you if you start turning around and, and heading backwards, it's that's, you know, that's no doubt end. about it. There's a, I was a big fan of uh, Andrew Yang's presidential campaign. And um, yeah. I remember seeing a quote from him that pretty much every success story, you're seeing them at the top of their <laughs> the mountain that they climbed to get there. But it involved thousands of hours of sitting by yourself grinding exactly. getting through hurdles but that's not the part that gets highlighted so you need to remember oh. no one that made it at accomplishing their dreams did it in a day yep 
Exactly. Exactly. And just like we talked at the beginning, everyone thinks you snap your finger and you should have success right now because that's what you think you're seeing. But like you said, not. I think instant success takes away from the whole thing too, because the journey is, is part of that incredible experience that you need to, uh, you need to absorb and take in. Yeah. hundred percent agree. Well, well, Derek, it's been an absolute pleasure with you. I'm glad I caught you in the the brief moment that you're in the United States before you're headed down to yeah, Mexico. Exactly. So <laughs> I'm, I'm very eager to continue watching your journey and, and I, I really appreciate you cool. coming on. Oh, thanks for having me, man. That was great. Great talk. All right. Bye now. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode 10 today with Derek Barron, also known as Wandering Earl. Please join us on your favorite podcast platform. That's YouTube included for the video version of the show so that's apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, and spotify as well don't forget to follow on instagram and connect with harrison on linkedin thank you guys so much for tuning in and we'll see you on the next one